Madison, 1960, Law and Disorder. The Madison Police Department begins the decade recovering from the firing in April 1959 of the divisive and dictatorial police chief Bruce Weatherly for wrecking a police car while driving drunk with his secretary. Weatherly, who had placed listening devices throughout police headquarters, including in the room where the Police and Fire Commission debate his ouster in closed session, was replaced on November 2nd by Wilbur H. Emery, 38, a 12-year veteran who had largely stayed away from the department's internal weatherly wars. A former Marine with a very formal bearing, given to secrecy and a somewhat militaristic attitude on police-community relations, Emery spends most of his first year trying to restore some pride and cohesion to the force. His other main concern? Traffic accidents, which in 1959 caused $1.6 million in damages, representing the city's greatest single property loss. Emory is supervised by a police and fire commission led by a political odd couple, President Marshall Brown, twice the unsuccessful Republican candidate for the Assembly, and Vice President James E. Doyle Sr., former chair of the Wisconsin Democratic Party and husband of former Democratic State Representative Ruth B. Doyle. Mayor Ivan Nestigan appointed Brown to the PFC twice, even though the printer-publisher was one of the leading opponents of Monona Terrace, Nestigan's highest priority. A past president of the Chamber of Commerce, Brown was also involved in organizing Madison Neighborhood Centers. Doyle is an attorney in private practice. The prim and proper Emery cites consorting with a divorcee as one of the reasons he wants the PFC to fire policeman Paul Lysot, along with other conduct unbecoming an officer. The woman had filed a complaint alleging that Lysot had gotten her pregnant and refused to marry her. She tried to withdraw the complaint when she learned she was not pregnant, but it was too late. The PFC fires Lysot on July 17th. The PFC fails, however, in its effort to force the retirement of Assistant Fire Chief Edward Durkin, 58, for undisclosed health reasons. The commission, in a secretive, coordinated campaign to oust senior fire department officers, was able to get several to go quietly, but not Durkin. On August 31st, the Firemen's Pension Fund Board unanimously finds the 37-year veteran fit for duty and rejects the PFC's request that he be involuntarily fired. In 1979, his son, also named Edward, would become chief of the department. Emery's men, meanwhile, are stymied by a series of brazen burglaries netting $27,500 in cash, jewelry, and even a safe. The biggest haul is from Schwartz's Jewelry Store, 440 State Street, $11,000 in diamonds and watches in the early evening of May 7th. It's a professional job. The burglars use special double-jawed pliers to remove cylinder-type locks from the front door. And they do it in the middle of State Street on a Saturday night in early spring. About 18 hours later, someone uses the same tool to break into Lombardino's restaurant, 2500 University Avenue. Tenants upstairs hear nothing. Even when the thieves cart away a 250-pound safe containing about $3,200. That same Monday morning, about 3.15, two masked men with pistols surprise Edgewater Hotel night clerk Donald Patrick. They tape his hands and legs, but don't otherwise physically hurt him, and make off with $5,500 in cash and checks. Freeing himself after they left, Patrick 
calls hotel manager Austin Faulkner first, then the police. And there's a spate of more traditional burglaries over the summer, including of Bailey's Tavern, the Plaza Tavern, and the Continental Supper Club, the only one of ten major burglaries city police solve. And the Weatherly scandal continues, even after he joins Northwest Airlines as a security officer. In December, the State Industrial Commission awards him $3,611 in workers' compensation and medical costs for injuries sustained in the accident that got him fired. The city appeals the commission order and sues Weatherly for the cost of the police car's repairs. And that's this week's Madison in the 60s. For WORT News... I'm Stu Levitan.